I love assisted living for a couple of reasons. There's an emotional opportunity to do good things for people who have come before us. And secondly, there's a business opportunity that exists at the same time. If you're not conscious about your investment strategy, you won't end up where you want to be, not financially or as a human. On this show, we interview highly successful investors and share how they overcame limitations to become unstoppable forces of success. If you're ready to learn what it is to be a conscious investor so you can end up where you want, keep listening. Conscious investor, welcome back as always. And today is especially special. It's not often that you can talk with someone with a variety of experiences, a corporate background, retired passive investments, strong investments in capital markets. Like it's very rare where we can actually have a conversation with a guest who has multiple experiences successfully, and then also being able to adapt and transition within those. And so I know that this is going to really support where you are at as you are navigating your career and aiming to continue to grow within your career while growing your investments in a strong, powerful way. But conscious investor, let's be real. We both know that we're all of a certain age and retirement really isn't that far away. And so having a guest like Jim is going to really open our eyes to what does that look like? A lot of times we aren't thinking that future forward. It just becomes this little placeholder in our life, but we don't actually talk and engage with people as to what does that process actually look like in the real world? And what does that look like financially in the real world? But what is the icing on the cake in this particular instance? Well, Jim is a good friend and he's a business partner. And it's not often that I have my business partners on. Don't worry, I'm going to be roping every one of them in. But Jim and I are partnered through Arrows Capital Group, and it's been absolutely phenomenal. Be expected that you're going to be hearing a lot more about Arrows Capital Group and hearing a lot more from my fellow partners there. But Let's just jump on in. Jim, I am so excited to have you on the Conscious Investor Podcast. Thank you, Julie. I'm excited too. Thank you. You've been someone, when we met for the first time in person in Nashville earlier this year, it's just absolutely phenomenal to hear the depth of your wisdom, the insight that you brought to the meeting, and the way that you approach things, you grounded that meeting in such a powerful way. I just remember looking down the table and being like, Oh, wow. This is good. (laughs) So I just want to thank you for that. And I want to dive in. Thank you. Oh, it's not flattery. Those are pure. Those are authentic words right there. (laughs) I'd love to just like give the conscience investor an idea of what was your past career like? You've been retired now for four years. That's a beautiful thing. Congratulations. I know for you, retirement doesn't mean just sit on the beach with a little cocktail, uh, you know, but you're still extremely productive and engaged in everything. So yeah, let's go down that rabbit hole. Sure. So Julie, I spent almost my entire career in banking, a little stint in big public accounting firm at, at Deloitte, but most of it, and even that was in the banking industry. And my career is an auditor and accountant. So I have a lot of structure in my background that you and I are bringing to life with our other partners. So that was my background. And I retired four years ago. And as I remember the years leading up to retirement, so mid-50s, thinking I'm going to position an investment portfolio to become the primary source of my income in retirement, and life will be good. I ran the numbers. I, I did everything to prepare. And what I learned four years ago is capital markets can be 
pretty unreliable. There are good years and there are years that go sideways or down. And so for a retiree to depend on the capital markets is a scary thing. In fact, if you think back four years ago, 19 was fine. My wife and I decided to do a little travel, but then came 2020 and the world changed forever. You had the pandemic and then you had political chaos in the U.S. and you had wars and inflation. So a big learning experience for me that I would share with others is really think about how you're positioning your investment portfolio post-retirement and consider investing in other alternative classes, real estate, for example. I love it. Now, sometimes I remember when I was new into the investing space, I would hear different terms and I'd be confused. And I'd say like, I don't really know what that means. So let's define capital markets for the conscious investor, just so we have a real clarity on all of our terms. Sure. When I say that, I mean just the typical equity and bond markets that most of us invest in, our 401ks and preferred comp plans are invested in various stocks, perhaps domestic and international. So that's where I put most of my eggs. And that's the mistake I think I made going into retirement that I've taken a little turn and readjusted my thinking process on. It's so fascinating. Okay. I don't often get to ask this question of guests, but I feel comfortable asking you this question. And I also know that you're qualified to answer this question, but I know that many people are coming out of this conditioning as to, I need to feed my 401k, Right. but you were of a generation. What would you say when you look back into kind of the financial guidance and education that you were offered, what was that like? And then how did you break free from that? Well, First of all, I think 401k can be a great tool. They often come with a company match, and it's a discipline that I actually look back on and I'm glad that I embraced. But mm-hmm. to count on 401ks and investments in the equity markets solely, I think is the big learning experience, Julie, because I learned I have no control over how those investments perform or almost no control. I can't control inflation. I can't control politics. And so What I realized is I had to kind of elevate my confidence, my level of confidence in the investments I was making. And an example I would just share with you is first things I did was I kind of dipped my toe in the water in multifamily housing investments. So a syndicate that I knew in Atlanta that I'd been referred to by a good friend who I trusted and knew this person was pretty experienced. That was my first kind of toe in the water. And what I came to love about that is I did all of my homework. I made sure this was in the Southeast, this investment. The area was booming, population growth, the economy, the rent growth. So many factors said this investment, it was bought at the right price, looks like it's going to be a great investment. And so it was my first, probably three and a half years ago, my first toe in the water, if you will, into what I've called sort of alternative investment classes. Mm -hmm. And That one actually turned out really well. And you know, like I do, that the real estate market became very hot over the last four years. That first investment, I think I may have doubled my money or just about doubled my money. And of course, that leaves a (laughs) great taste in your mouth to explore further. The feeling of elevated control was the big difference for me. I felt like I knew where I was investing. I knew the operator. I had so much more comfort in, I know this versus... I can't tell you what name your corporate company is going to do next week, next month, or how politics will influence the outcome of those stocks. Mm, I love that element. And for myself, that's so critical. It's something I always tell you, conscious investor, is it's lovely. 
it's a blessing to be working with a boutique firm where mm-hmm. you can actually call that person on their cell phone directly and right. speak with them versus what's the phone tree look like? And did I press the right number? Did I get the person's extension? I'm talking to five different people now, right? So it creates something different. I love that you're talking about, you had to elevate your confidence in this investing. And so what were some of the steps that you took that bolstered your confidence? This is something that's very common. Right. Well, Julie, again, I'm an auditor. I'm an accountant. I have a very risk averse sort of background, but a very structured way of kind of thinking through issues. I simply did some homework. This first investment again was in part of Atlanta that was growing. And so I started to do some research about the surrounding market, the Fortune 500 companies in the area, competitive multifamily housing in the area. And when I kind of put that picture together, I said, this deal looks phenomenal. It actually lined up with the deck that I'd gotten from the group promoting the deal. Doesn't always happen, by the way. A lot of fluff and a lot of salesy pitch, but the facts actually pretty closely aligned with what was being offered in the uh, circular. And so I did my own homework is the answer to the question. I didn't just take somebody's word for it. That brought comfort that mm-hmm. first I'd done the homework and I felt like I was dealing with facts. But second, it also gave me comfort in investing with this particular group. And again, the outcome was phenomenal and it was a big learning experience for me. I love that you trusted to an extent and trust is something that we have the spectrum of. And so we have to have a certain level of trust where we're willing to, okay, I trust that you were presenting something worth my time and energy into investigating further and researching it. And through that process, you took action and then that verified the evidence, right. right? Conscious investor. It's not too complicated. I know it can feel really overwhelming at times, but really it is just about taking action and doing a little bit of homework and research on your own. Julie, that's a great point. If you'd like, we can talk about kind of where I stand today, but that first toe in the water was a little scary. I'd grown up in a corporate world where things were pretty well structured and laid out. And so this, for me, getting into a syndication was a little bit out of my comfort zone, but it's that homework and asking the right questions, dipping the toe and that sort of initial experience caused me to realize there are other opportunities. It doesn't have to be all about the capital markets. And today, if you don't mind, I'll just go on to say- I'd love to, yes. I've gone beyond multifamily housing, but I think that's still one of my favorite categories. And I'll just say, because even if a deal, if the business part of multifamily housing were to not perform at the level that you expect, there's still a great, or at least I usually make sure it's in a great area, a great underlying asset. So there's still real estate behind the deal. If the economics of the deal don't work, I feel like I've sort of buffered that with the asset that underlies the entire situation. So I feel good about multifamily housing, but I've moved to things like car washes or another asset class that I personally have come to love. I think I'm in four deals now. And those, there's another interesting thing that I did a lot of homework and realized that people have a sentiment, even in bad times about I'll spend 10 bucks or 12 bucks to get my car washed. It's a good feeling. It's not a huge expense. And so car washes are something I never thought about, didn't know anything about, but feel like once you get into it and you really do a little bit of homework and study, make total sense, make total sense in good times and bad times, people still wash their car and those have performed very, very well. 
That's really exciting. I have to admit that even when I was a young public school teacher making all of like 27,000 a year and making a mortgage payment and all of that, somehow I would manage to go through a drive through car wash. Somehow I kept my car because you're right. Gives you this great feeling of satisfaction of, okay, it's all clean. We're good. We've toyed with liquor stores. Quite frankly, we're like, well, good times, bad times. Everybody's going to buy their booze. (laughs) Right, right. We saw that during COVID too. Exactly. I love that. That's exciting. Now, you've had a lot of experience in a lot of asset classes. So you have multifamily, you have the car washes. What else is in the investment portfolio and what else would you consider and why? But consider, I think self-storage is another that has become a more prevalent need in society as fewer people are owning homes and choosing apartments or condos. I know a lot of people, a lot of friends of mine perhaps have downsized. They need a place to store some of what they had. And I think storage facilities can be another asset class that deliver a consistent cash flow. It's meeting a huge need in society today. And I like that as well. Julie, I'm in two others that I just want to share with you. So I've told you mostly that are all about the good things. And as you kind of get further into investing, you'll have all sorts of opportunities that arise. And I'm sure you have and I have. And so let me share two that didn't go as well and what I've learned as well. So again, being the cautious guy that I am, I would say that I kind of dipped my toe into each of these. But one was... A couple of years ago, a Bitcoin data center. I think we all know what Bitcoin's done for the last (laughs) year. Don't ask me to pull up my Bitcoin. Okay, Okay, I can't look right now. (laughs) And, And I'm a very conservative guy. So I didn't actually buy the coin, but I invested in a data center that actually you know, ran the algorithms and so forth in the background. Not a lot of money, by the way. Was it a mining? Is that data center meaning like it's a mining facility? Yes, exactly. And I would say it paid pretty consistently and actually a fairly good return for the first year and a half when Bitcoin took its big dip. Those payments started to slow. I think it will work out you know, to recoup my capital. Anyways, I'm not mm-hmm. sure there'll actually be a return on that. But So then I asked myself, what do you think now? What's the lesson learned here? And then I right. think two things. So it was with an operator that I didn't know well. And mm. shame on me because that was one of the big things that I did is I learned a lot about the operators I invested in initially, got comfortable mm-hmm. with them, the experience, the performance over time. And in this case, it was just something new, a little flashy. I probably let my guard down a bit there. Yeah. And by the way, there's not much of a an underlying asset to kind of fall back on. So This was built in a kind of remote place. It's not a particularly desirable area. So the underlying asset isn't the growing Southeast amazing economy that I put my initial money in. So like the actual tangible real estate facility of it is like, okay, great. You're in no man's land. It's not like we can convert this into something else. Exactly. Oh, yeah. A huge shell of a warehouse. It's not somebody would have to come in and kind of revamp it to their purpose. So it has less value as a real estate asset, as the underlying asset. So a couple of lessons learned for me as I experienced that. Thankfully, there wasn't a lot of money I invested, but it's a reminder for me to kind of stay true to the things that I learned at first, get to know the operator and the firm that you're kind of working through. 
And second, what's the underlying asset? Where is it? How's the market? What's the competition around it? All of those things that I thought I did well the first several times, that was a lesson learned. Those are tough lessons. I learned so much. Let's be real. That's when we learn. We don't learn when it's like, it feels so great when we're getting the distributions and an investment goes well. Right. But we learn the most when something goes sideways. I won't necessarily go into my e-commerce story right here and now, but sometime we will have that conversation. Conscious Investor, you've heard it before. If you haven't, go listen to past episodes because it changed my investing like paradigm in a powerful, (laughs) excellent way. So what was your other? You said you had two. So you had Bitcoin. It was a kind of a debt consolidation deal. So there was a firm that helped people. You and I have seen ads on TV, call this number to uh, get out of the way of bankruptcy, to consolidate your debts, things like that. And I think in this case, they grew too fast. They didn't have the underlying infrastructure to service their clients mm-hmm. properly. And the seams started to come apart. Once again, the underlying assets weren't there. I love tangible real estate. I can touch it. I can see it. In this case, they were receivables from folks that had credit issues. So the kind of underlying asset didn't hold in this firm the returns kind of offered looked good. And there actually was a lengthy experience with a partner, an investment partner I'd done work with before that went back a decade. But they, I think, just started to grow too quickly. The infrastructure couldn't support the growth and it fell apart. And so once again, lessons learned for me, kind of stick to things that I know and know well. And that tangible underlying asset, again, if the multifamily deal goes south, you sell the real estate and you're probably break even at that point. Hey, conscious investor. Often the well-intentioned hardwiring of our past prevents us from moving forward at full capacity. We doubt ourselves. We remind ourselves of who we were told we were instead of discovering who we were created to be. We lack courage to move into the life we're meant to lead, and often, instead of stepping into our full potential, many find themselves living a masked life, concerned with other people's expectations and opinions of their lives. Conscious Performance Coaching clients discover their potential is far more than they anticipated. Through Conscious Performance Coaching, you will connect with your potential, gain lasting momentum, collapse your timelines, and well, hey, every day feels like play. Stop playing small and step into your full potential. Join the ranks of those who have stepped into their dreams, launched successful businesses, and become unstoppable forces of success. Click the link in the show notes and apply for a free coaching session today. Yes. Wow. Oh, gosh. Okay. This brings back an experience I have not thought about for years. I don't remember the last time this came to my mind. I was in a car crash. A drunk driver hit me head on when I was 18. And so never drink under any influence. These days, that can be a lot of different substances. So please always be safe, be conscious investor. But all this to say, I had some money and there was a title company since I come from a real estate background. And my dad's like, okay, all of these key people are starting this title company. As you said, so I lost two, $3,000, maybe it's not much, but that was a right. lot of money to me as an 18 year old. Sure. But I was like, oh, this could be a great investment, but it's not tied. It's not correlated to that real tangible real estate. It was tied to quality people who were right. high performers. Right. 
but you just never know when you're only buying into a business. This is why I love real tangible real estate. Touch it, exactly. taste it, feel it. Don't lick it. Exactly. You know, Julie, just to maybe punctuate, I have a couple of partners that I have come to know really well and trust. And I do think there are investments maybe like those where they're a little different. They're a little out of the realm of real estate and so forth that I've come to trust the investment group enough that they do the due diligence. They can answer all of my questions. So I've done a few other deals that stray from the typical real estate deal. And yet I'm confident that I know that group well enough that if something starts to slide sideways, they take immediate action. Sometimes they invest their own dollars to bring it to a good conclusion. So I think getting to know your investment firm, the partners that you're investing with in the syndication, to me, is a critical step that I also have come to value. Agreed. And Conscious Investor, I know this resonates with you too. I mean, someone's underlying character how they respond to pressure and turmoil, (laughs) turbulence, it's always going to happen. There's always going to be something going on in the world that is not comfortable. And you have to be invested with people that you are confident that when the heat is turned up, they're going to be like, oh, a little bit of sweat, no problem. Bring it on. They'll probably say, we're going to turn the AC on and get this dialed in. (laughs) But you want somebody that you're confident that they are going to not crumble under the pressure. Absolutely. Wow. Okay. So in light of all of this, Jim, there are so many great asset classes. And I just want to go back and highlight, I love that everything is backed by real tangible real estate interest, car washes, people are going to wash your car, good times, bad time, potential self-storage, right? You are in the process of doing a renovation on your house. Maybe you're going to be storing some things in some self-storage for a bit. (laughs) Yes, we are. And then we have multifamily investing. There's an interesting in-between here as we were talking about the Bitcoin mining data center and you were talking about the debt consolidation. It's interesting because you have these real physical, tangible real estate holdings that also have businesses associated. And then you have on these others that didn't go so well, they had a different business model to them. There's something interesting that you and I are invested in, and that is assisted living, which is an interesting, I consider it a hybrid of these worlds because we're buying the real tangible real estate ownership. So we have the real, the tangible. So that's checking a box. We also have this business side that's heavy operationally. I'd love to go down the rabbit hole and let's pull assisted living apart a little bit. Oh, absolutely. And thank you for uh, bringing it up. I love assisted living for a couple of reasons. My dad is in assisted living. And so I've had experience in looking for the place, the operator that I want my dad to be in. And so there's an emotional side of it for me, Julie. But as a business, the demographics are unbelievable. If anybody just kind of Google the demographics on the population in the US and the way it's aging over the next decade, two decades, five decades... It's unbelievable the percentages go from, I forget the numbers now, but kind of over 65 today might be 25%. It goes to 35 and 45. And so the demographics suggest all of us need to think about it personally, Mm -hmm. but as a business proposition, it makes it attractive as well. And so maybe that's one of the things I love about it is there's an emotional opportunity to do good things for people who 
have come before us. And secondly, there's a business opportunity that exists at the same time. Mm, It is such an emotional investment. I know the first time I walked an assisted living facility for acquisitions, it was, would I put a family member here? Is this where I would feel comfortable and safe? Because there is such an emotional, so it's a business, it's real estate, it's a business, but it's people in such a unique stage of life that need to be cared for. And so there's more going on there. I know when I've spoken with the conscious investor in the past, the question has come up is, I mean, like, wow, that's really operations heavy, like staffing and all of this, like, I don't even know. How are you guys mitigating that risk? And so as an auditor and as someone that is risk adverse and really into analyzing things, what are some of the ways that you processed and worked through some of the challenges that do come with this asset class? Sure. A couple of things. First of all, one level of confidence is it is a business at the end of the day. And while there are nuances I'll talk about in a second, it is a business. You bill and invoice the state or private residence. That's not terribly different than a multifamily housing deal. You have to collect the money, launch accounts receivable. In some ways, there are a lot of business aspects to it. The maintenance, this comes with food preparation and food costs, but it's a business kind of as an underlying starting point that I feel comfortable with. I've been close enough to enough businesses. That part, you learn a new industry, but it's not that different. The part that is very different is, you said it a minute ago, these are people's lives and these are people who are often vulnerable, that have elevated health needs that have to be met in this environment. And so that part, I'm not an expert in, and you've got to make sure you understand those, that you find the right talent and right expertise and experience to have in place so that you can operate comfortably. It's a highly regulated environment. Every state has uh, significant you know, regulatory rules and regulations you've got to abide by. So there is a need to make sure you've got the right pieces in place. And so coming into it as an auditor, my first kind of thing is we've got to build a compliance program. We've got to have a training program. We've got to find the right talent to help us drive that. So there is definitely a nuance, but coming into it, a big part of it is running a business. And that's no different maybe than some of the other asset classes in that regard. Mm. And then it goes down at that point, then when we're looking at a business, then we're saying, who's behind it? What's the team behind it? Who are the players? What's the character? What are their assumptions? So we get right back into that element of knowing the who behind it. And Julie, that's a great point. One of the things I think we've learned is there are a lot of smaller operators. So there are a lot of big names that we see in any city and you'll see some of the big senior living management companies with their signs up. But there are also a lot of smaller, people call them mom and pop, but they're run by often a husband and wife team. I are familiar with here in our firm. And they kind of run it a certain way. They've been successful in a certain way. And we were able to come in with kind of a fresh set of eyes and say, have you thought about automating this? Or have you thought about a switch in the mix of private and public pay? And there's so many levers Again, much like a multifamily housing deal where you come in and say, if I upgrade these units, I can get an extra $200 a month or whatever the number is. So I think there are a lot of great opportunities, especially with the smaller operators to come in, help take what has been well cared for and built over the years to a new level and kind of built for the next generation of seniors. 
Oh, yes. That optimization. I mean, you're in the process of this remodel. Steve and I did that last year on our home. And here's the thing, conscious investor, I'm sure this is going to resonate with you because we live in the day to day and everything kind of becomes part of the scenery. And it might be the same route that you drive to work. You know, I love to go get espresso in the morning. We fall into these habits and these patterns and these behaviors. And when people are small business owners, this happens quite regularly where it just becomes the norm. And you don't always know what you don't know, even as a small business operator, because you have created your own norms. More than likely, you're not reaching out. You're not part of a larger group of people that are really helping you enhance and optimize your business. And so when a company like ours can go in and acquire businesses like this, we're taking a business that's running and it's operational, but now we're able to optimize it. So it's a beautiful opportunity to not just take over, transition. I don't like takeover. That sounds really, really strong, right? <laughs> but it allows us to go in and help transition a business. And that provides an even higher quality of life for residents. Absolutely. And I love the word transition because there's a lot of great experience in some of the deals we look at. People have spent the last two decades of their life building the business. So I really do love to learn from them, to yes. leverage what they've built and kind of move forward. But there's a lot of great experience that you can leverage. Yeah, so important. Wow. Jim, I love all of the experience that you've had in your career. As we near the end of our conversation here, there's one thing that I am so curious about, and I alluded to this at the beginning. Actually, I didn't allude to it. I said it overtly to the conscious investor, and that is that whole crossing the threshold of retirement. We're all right. going to retire, but remember, conscious investor retiring doesn't mean that you stop working necessarily. It just means that it's a transition, speaking of transitions. What was that transition like? And when you think of the conscious investor, maybe a horizon of 15 years from that moment, what are a couple of tips or mindset strategies that you would encourage them to consider now? Good question. And Julie, like a lot of us, I was in the corporate world and I worked kind of nonstop in the role that I had. My wife and I would go on vacation and I would spend most of the day in my room working. And so... The corporate life was pretty demanding. When I retired, I kind of turned that switch off and we traveled for, gosh, probably the first six months. We just did things that you couldn't do when you were sort of 24-7 in that world. So I enjoyed that. But what you quickly learn is, especially at a relatively young age, that's not what you want to do for the rest of your life. And so fortunately, I'd started to think about board opportunities, about friends that I knew that went before me and retired, that it created firms, consulting firms. So there were a plentiful number of opportunities like that to maybe create a little more balance though. That's the one thing that I do enjoy is it isn't 80 hours a week anymore. I'm able to kind of back that down, but still be productive, still leverage the background that I had over the years. And it's interesting, technology's changed and some things have changed underlying kind of ways of thinking about problems, solving problems, bringing solutions to the table, that hasn't changed. And so I think I've been able to do a lot of that in the last three or four years as well. The one caution I would say is don't wait. Don't wait until you know the day is here to think about what's next. Probably in my mid-50s, already starting to think about, so what's next? And 
well, it's good to have a little break. You got to have something to fill the days. You can't go from 80 to zero hours a week. And I soon realized that traveling was fun, but time to get back to work. So did that. I've loved it. I love the balance. I love that. And I think that really speaks to, I'm trying to think, I've been listening to a variety of new podcasts. I'll tell you why in a moment, conscious investor, but in my exploration of some new podcasts, this concept came up as to what makes people happy and what generates us in their life. And are people who are those type A, always working, happier type thing? And it's like, the question isn't, does it make it happier? The question is, actually, would they be happy not doing that? Because we're all hardwired in a unique way. Some of us just love productivity and contribution in a very specific way. And so I honestly look similar to you. I can't imagine not being engaged and contributing to the world in so many variety of ways that I have the privilege of doing that. Well said. One of the things I'd say is I felt like um, I had a choice to try to do something different, which I enjoyed. I'd been in banking and accounting and audit my entire career, 40 some years. And I think when the time came, what I loved was I was able to kind of take that skill set, use it in charitable organizations, boards, small companies, now the partnership that you and I are part of. And it's interesting. It's like the next phase of life where you have a choice to try something different, leverage your past. And I love it. I'm having a great time with you. Well, I have to say, I am so grateful. I very much appreciate the spectrum in life of what people bring to the table. And when we have youth, we have energy and passion and a lot of uninformed optimism. And as we mature in life, we gain those experience and we also transition into informed optimism. So we actually know how to ground and anchor it so that we can be confident in that. I just love that you share that with charitable organizations, our partnership with other things that you're participating in, because it's a gift. Sometimes people do just simply check out and they don't want to do any further contribute. This is quite possibly like the richest, most powerful time in life is to say, here's a collection of everything I've learned. Here's the evidence. And as you already said, human nature doesn't change. People don't change. The technology changes, the application might change, but people don't change. And so it's really, you know how to plug and play. Okay, well, here's how this actually works. I just deeply value that. Thank you. Conscious Investor, I did allude for a moment as to why I was listening and why I'm listening to a lot of variety, new podcasts. I'm just on this hunt and prowl right now because guess what? In the fall, I'm going to be launching a second podcast. I could not be more excited about this next podcast. And it's going to be an ensemble podcast. They're going to be four cast members. That's what I'm calling it because why not? (laughs) And Jim is one of them. And he is bringing the anchor. He is bringing the wisdom and the experience, the informed optimism to the conversation. I can't wait to share that with you. But this is just more like a teaser. It will be releasing in the fall. Lots of work at hand. I'm so excited. I know it's going to support you in a really powerful way as well, Conscious Investor. Sounds like a little pressure on me there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm looking forward to it. You know what? I know how you do under pressure. You're fine. (laughs) Easy breezy. (laughs) I'm looking forward to it. Thank you, Julie. This would be so good. Jim, I'm just grateful for who you are as a human and your contribution in the world and within the business itself. If anybody did want to reach out to you and they're like, wait, 
Jim is pretty amazing. Can I tap into his informed optimism? Is there a way that people can reach out to you? Sure. Probably the best way is uh, Jim dot, and I'll spell the last name T-I-E-T-J-E-N at arrowscapitalgroup.co. It's my email. Would love to hear from folks. Would love to help in any way I can. And like Jim, I am the same way. We are two peas in a pod. Genuinely, authentically, like we are here to serve you. So Conscious Investor, don't be a stranger. If you're aligning with Jim and just the wisdom, the experience that he's had, and maybe you're nearing that retirement horizon and you're just kind of wondering how can I repurpose? How can I recalibrate? I don't want to just waste all of the experience that I've had. This is where it's really important that you take that time and you reach out. When you have someone that's genuine and authentic on the receiving end, you're going to gain so much. So don't hesitate to send Jim an email, Conscious Investor. And why are you a stranger? I haven't spoken to some of you. So you got to make sure you head down to the bottom of the show notes, because remember, I'm not just a voice in your ears or on the YouTube screen. I'm here to serve and support you. So if we haven't had that discussion about your investment goals, what are you waiting for? Remember that we operate under a 506B. We have to have this conversation, okay? We want to serve you through our sophisticated investors and our accredited investors. We get to serve all of you in making your first or your next investment. So don't be a stranger. It's a great conversation. I promise you, you'll walk away saying, why didn't I do this sooner? And I'm saying that full confidence because, well, Conscious Investor, many of you, we've spoken and you've told me that. So until next time, live big, love big. Overwhelmed by apartment syndication, but want to learn more? Let me help you press the easy button. Head over to 3keysinvestments.com and download Syndication Made Simple. I explain simply how the process works, who's involved, and how you can get started today. You're smart, and with this simple guide, you'll be able to understand the process. Head over to 3keysinvestments.com and download Syndication Made Simple.